What's up, everybody? Podcast day again. Kyle here, your host. Uh, this episode is actually going to be on time this week. I actually uh, was able to get it done on time. So I know you're probably saying, yeah, but you should just do that anyway. Well, look, it was hard for me, okay? Um, I got a fresh can of Monster sitting here. Monster, again, is the official sponsor of this podcast. They send me these uh, <coughs> these Ultra Blues in the mail. Sometimes they're red. Those are nice, too. If you want to donate to the podcast and make sure that I'm fully fueled up and ready to just spit all of my wrestling venom over everybody, um, then, yeah, just send me, some, send me some Monsters in case they slack one of these days. Um, so, yeah, so coming up uh, today, a little bit later on after I just kind of update you on uh, some, some happenings, um, I will uh, be sitting down with Stu, who I mentioned a couple weeks ago, a good English buddy who is a soccer coach at Bates in Lewiston, Maine, uh, avid wrestling fan, uh, trains with Tony Atlas. Uh, we're hoping to have Tony on the, um, the podcast soon as one of our first uh, WWE legends or guests. Uh, before I get into that, uh, I want to say thanks to everybody who supported the podcast. Um, for someone like me who's a small-time uh, you know, operation starting up here, I think everybody starts small. Um, you know, we've been averaging a good amount of views a week. People have been subscribing. Um, I've received less and less hate mail, so that's always good. Um, so, you know, thank you for that. Thank you for, uh, for spreading the word and, uh, liking what we do. So, um, or I do, I guess. I don't know. Unless there's, I don't know. If I suck, just tell me I suck, guys. Um, so anyway, so last night was the first night I actually watched Raw live just because, after all of the weeks of, of just lackluster, really, really bad Raws with the ratings slipping, I really wanted to see what they had up their sleeves as far as uh, a go-home show for Hell in a Cell. And uh, I, I left the show, watching the show, feeling not so good for WWE. I mean, um, it's like who equated it to? I think Wade Keller or Jason Solomon, uh, Jason Solomon, the Solomon Monster podcast. He said he equated it like this, and it's the it's it's dead on. People say, well, if it's getting so bad, why do you continue to support it, watch it, da da da? It's the same as your favorite uh, sporting team, and if you have a favorite sport team, if you're big into the Patriots or Red Sox, or I'm an Eagles fan, so this is exactly I can compare the WWE to the Eagles. Um, they, you watch every game because you have a hope. You know that they have talent. You know that they could be good. You know that they're not putting their best foot forward. Uh, and you continue to support and watch because that's your team. You know, pro wrestling, WWE, that's my team. You know, and that's, I know what they can be. And I know how good of a show it can be with the talent they have. Just right now, they are um, really, really running themselves into a hole where, you know, you have a Raw last night where you got Stone Cold Steve Austin appearing on Raw for the first time in, you know, I'd say a decade. They said four years, but to me, it doesn't count being on a show when you're doing a Tough Enough reveal. When they did the Tough Enough uh, 2011 version and he was the host. Um, so you have him, you have HBK, you have Ric Flair. Um, and the thing is with that is that they didn't promote it a lot going into it. And the people that were there no storylines were pushed ahead. Uh, they used Ric Flair as a rub for Roman Reigns, which I'll get to in a second. Uh, the HBK and Seth Rollins confrontation could have been, it was good. Uh, there was some, some pretty good, uh, some pretty good dialogue back and forth. Uh, but then you're reminded when you're sitting there watching HBK, you're like, man, like this is the reason why WB has the belt on Rollins. He sat there and he went toe to toe as the bad guy versus, uh, with HBK. And, I think the fans broke out into a chant of one more match. As far as old guys go, if any older guy who's retired in WWE Hall of Famer could put on a good match, not Sting, not Undertaker, not Rock, not Stone Cold, I would I would put trust in HBK. And I said last night when I was watching it at a buddy's house, I said, um, if any match could possibly sell out or add to the sellout of Texas Stadium for WrestleMania, it would be HBK and Rollins. And there is not a doubt in my mind that they could they could pull off a, a five star. Not even a doubt in my mind. Still with with Michaels, you know, a few years removed from his last match, there's not a doubt in my mind. Um, and then you had Stone Cold come out. Um, great ovation, obviously. Uh, the crowd was very 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 quiet for the rest of the night. Um, uh, but he came out and basically just said a few things and and plugged his podcast for later and 
you know, I think people were expecting the, you know, I'm here for Lesnar or I'm here for Lesnar on the podcast. And, um, you know, that it just goes to show you how much you can buy into rumors or how much they may change plans uh, because of things getting out. Because, um, yeah, he didn't say anything about it. He introduced Undertaker. Undertaker got a few sentences out. Uh, Brock came out. Um, super confusing because Brock got built up as this baby face when Undertaker was away. Undertaker came back. They built Undertaker as a heel. Uh, you know, they showed Brock beating him again and being this heroic baby face that gave him the finger before he passed out. And they built Taker as this heel, and then they have uh, Brock come out and play the, you know, kind of like the the pussy, and uh, you know the cowardly heel, and 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 run away. And it's like, to be honest, I'm not sure if even WWE knows what they're doing with this. I think they know the finish. I think Lesnar's gonna go over, and uh, Taker is gonna go away till Mania time, where they have that whole like, you know, can Undertaker come back and salvage his career and win at WrestleMania and that kind of thing. But I don't know if they know um, where they're going with who's a heel and who's a babyface, and you know, week to week, what they're gonna do. They just they send mixed signals every week, and they still are under this mindset that nobody remembers anything. Yeah, we do. Every fan remembers storylines, and if you start paying attention to more of that and continuing storylines, you'd probably see uh, an influx and and more fans coming in and coming out. so yeah, uh, yeah. Raw was pretty forgettable. I mean, no Kane, which was very confusing. Uh, it was forgettable, but very weird. So the three weird things were no Kane. Uh, he is a contender for the WWE supposed to be coveted championship that's happening this Sunday at Hell in a Cell. Uh, so no, no, no Kane. Can't figure that out. Um, the re- no Randy Orton, uh, which now I'm getting word that he has a dislocated shoulder, and it happened before the Mexico trip. That's why he wasn't in Mexico, so they wrote him off TV. So, you know, you might not even have the Wyatts and Dean Ambrose on your pay-per-view now, which is insane to me. Um, and then you have the return of Eric Rowan with no mention or explanation of where Luke Harper was. Again, I just saw that Luke Harper, quote-unquote, had uh, personal issues he had to tend to. That's why he wasn't at Raw. Um but you can take that for what it's worth. Who knows what that means? Who knows if that's really what happened? Um, there was a, a, a rumor floating around that he was being punished for that picture that Jericho put up where they're all wearing his shirt and flexing. Uh, I don't know how that could be construed as Luke Harper's fault. Um, you know, he didn't orchestrate the photo. I'm sure he didn't say, hey, put on my shirt and fl- flex. Uh, news backstage is that Harper is a very well, well, really well-liked guy. And I'm sure that it was just an issue of um, of something. Yeah, you know, who knows what the issue is, but... Um, I would like a little bit of explanation, WWE. Rowan's been off TV for what, six, eight months now? And he just shows back up inexplicably with no no kind of, you know, I think Cole might have said, oh my God, is that Eric Rowan? Yeah, it is, motherfucker. Can we get some explanation as to why he's there? Like, it's just this, this constant, not even misunderstanding, but um, back and forth that they do internally with how they want to present themselves. Um... And I'll tell you one thing right now about the... I'll skip over everything else because everything else was, was was pretty forgettable. The Divas Revolution is not the Divas Revolution. The fact that you have a, a personality like Sasha Banks and you make her go out in a mixed tag. Not even a mixed tag. A tag match. You don't give her time to wrestle. You don't give Becky Lynch time to wrestle. Um, you see uh, Nikki Bella go over strong in that match. And you don't let Sasha do what brought her to the dance, which is fucking wrestle like she can. She's one of the best wrestlers in the world, man, man or woman. Then you have the reunion of the Shield, which in this modern era, this reality era, the biggest draw slash biggest pop slash biggest um, social media thing you can have that would start trending that's not The Rock, it's not Stone Cold, not The Undertaker, not a return of a legend is the reunion of the Shield. When the original Shield gets back together, whenever that is, it's a payday, it's a huge babyface faction. They all wear their same outfits. They come out to the old Shield theme song through the crowd. That will be one of the biggest pops of the new generation when that happens. To put it together last night and to have it feel so lackluster and so unimportant, um, I'm not sure you know, why they're doing that. Yes, we know Rollins is a piece of shit, apparently, in the storyline. And you have him team with his old Shield partners, the match is whatever, is what it is. There's no Kane in the match. So Rollins just ends up 
retreating. Uh, they make Reigns look super, super strong, which leads me to believe that he might lose this Sunday at Hell in a Cell. Um, and that's kind of the end of the show. And, and so there's all of these questions of where people were, uh, what's happening in the feuds, how should we feel. It's I'm interested to see what the rating's going to be. Because someone said on my wrestling group last night, um, should I be concerned or should we be concerned that to pop a rating in 2015, we need to bring back Stone Cold Ric Flair and Shawn Michaels? But shouldn't you already be worried if that's what you're thinking you have to do? It's a great question. <laughs> they should be. Um, I hold on to it because I want it to be better because us fans know it can be better and it can be great. But you're pushing us away by the storylines, by how you use people you bring up from NXT, by how you don't connect any stories, by this constant feeling that you don't even know how to manage your own company's kayfabe. You know, the Lana and Rusev thing. Uh, it's okay for Stephanie and Triple H to be baby faces all around and NXT and this and that and be bad guys at television, but is there a double standard for Rusev and Lana? Like, or is there not a double standard? You know, it's just... You need to figure out what you're doing wrong and fix it soon. Because if your rating drops below a three, uh, I don't know. I've said it time and time again. I could be wrong. If Raw was booked like NXT, people would come back. People would be more invested. Or you'd stop losing people. Not if they'd come back, but you'd stop losing people. That's simply my my take on it. Uh, Raw, lackluster, even with the people mentioned. Like, I should be more excited that Stone Cold came back last night. Um, but I'm not, you know? It kind of sucks. Um, so I'm, I'm praying for a good pay-per-view this Sunday. WWE has been delivering as of late. But that's not going to save the ratings. You know, you can't put out months and months and months of bad television and then do a good pay-per-view. It's not going to make people tune in every, you know, the casual fan tune in every Monday and Thursday on SmackDown. So, yeah. So that's my take. Um... I'm going to finish up the podcast this week with uh, this interview with my friend Stuart, Big Stu, Englishman Stu, uh, and uh, we're, just going to, we're just going to shoot the shit. Two wrestling fans, uh, how, he, how he got into wrestling, what brought him over to the States. We attacked some of the issues that I just kind of touched on, so it's a good conversation between two friends. Um, sound should be a little different. You might only hear my voice a little bit better. Uh, Stu, you'll still be able to hear him. I'm working on getting two mics. So we have, uh, the, the top quality sound is the best quality sound as we can. Uh, but it's still really good. Uh, so thank you guys for supporting. Uh, we'll see you next week on time again. See if I can go two in a row. And, uh, this is, uh, Stu. Uh, this is the first time I'm going to have a guest on, you know, it's fake, right? Podcast. Uh, thanks everybody again for the, uh, for the support. We're actually, for how little I've been talking about this to most people, um, we're still getting really good views, uh, really good subscriptions. Uh, so I want to thank you guys for doing that. Um, so this is the fourth episode. Like I said, I'm going to try to have guests, try to have uh, more people on to, to talk wrestling because you'd be surprised of how many people are wrestling fans, but then you don't really know it until it's too late and then uh, you don't get a chance to catch them on a podcast. But luckily for me, I was able to meet this gentleman. Uh, we went to a house show in Portland. Uh, I, I, I think I, I butchered where you're from the first time. <laughs> oh, you got it right. I got it right. All right, cool. Uh, so this is, uh, we're not going to give out his full name because we don't want people to stalk this man down. Uh, we got Stu here, uh, soccer coach at Bates and Lewiston, but also a longtime wrestling fan. Him, him and I hit it off over some, a few beers before the, uh, the last house show. And uh, we went in and we saw a, uh, a C-plus level house show here in Portland, Maine. <laughs> um, so uh, thank you for uh, thank you for coming down to Portland, man. And, uh, thanks for and uh, having yeah, me, thanks for having me. Yeah, is, I, it, is it bad that when we met, I thought you were Rick Rude? <laughs> you know what, though, I actually, I think if you were to slap a mustache on me, I think I'd have, uh, in a Jerry curl, I'd have Rick Rude. Man, rest in peace, Rick Rude. So actually, I made my girlfriend a Rick Rude shirt for a Boston House show a couple months ago, and uh, that was a magnet for attention. So never again. Um, all right, so I didn't get it too wrong. But so yeah, we just. Oh, by the way, we just. You know, I, I'm completely. You're killing my idea of what a good Englishman should be because I offered you a beer, and uh, you're over there drinking pineapple orange yeah. juice, and I'm drinking a beer, which is way uh, out of character for me. Don't uh, want a cup of tea either. <laughs> All right, so let's 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 get right into it here. You you live in Lewiston, Maine now, but I do. But when did so when did you? Uh, so I guess let's go back to the beginning here. That's how you know the let's go back to the beginning story starts. 
Um, so where'd you grow up? How big was the town? And what was like kind of your uh, your upbringing as far as sports? And when did you kind of realize you uh, you were into pro wrestling? I grew up in Middlesbrough, northeast England. If you've ever seen the Hollywood movie Billy Elliot, that is uh, filmed in Middlesbrough. It's a true story coming out of Middlesbrough. And Captain Cook, who found Hawaii and Australia, is the most famous person to come from Middlesbrough. Uh-huh. Uh, went to uh, school there before moving away from college. Uh, big soccer fan for most of my life. Like... Uh, like most kids from England. As, yeah, I was going to say, yeah. nobody. <laughs> it's yeah. a lot different from how it is here, I know. But yeah, usually if you're from that part of the world, your soccer's your yeah. gig. Like rugby, like cricket, like American football. And uh, got into pro wrestling just. Um, we used to stay around my dad's house with my brother. And we used to have this square satellite dish. And it was old WCW, probably in the early 90s. And the first uh, memory I remember having was just an entrance from Sid Vicious and all the lights. Yeah. Like, wow, this is cool, man. Yeah. And it just caught my attention. Don't remember any of the show other than just the excitement of it and the color and the lights. And then, yeah. uh, then there was a local VHS store down the road. Um, we used to go rent some stuff and we rented WrestleMania 6. Yeah. So that's the first uh, card I remember sitting and watching. My favorite back then was the Rockers. That's who I liked. My yep. brother got into the Ultimate Warrior. Yep. Went to uh, WWE to do tours of England, and we went to Newcastle, which is about an hour from where I'm from. It's where Neville's from. Um, so Razor Ramon, Diesel, Undertaker, Yokozuna, all those guys. Um, and then uh, when I went away to college, because um, I was an athlete in college, mm-hmm. you know, I didn't have as much of a social life in terms of. Uh, Going out drinking and all that's just not how we did it. You couldn't yeah. <laughs> keep up. So staying in and watching things on TV was big for me. Soccer games, wrestling, and just followed it pretty closely since. You're talking about in college? You didn't oh, go out yeah. a lot? See, that's so is that is that something that's, that's, I guess, not regional, but I guess is that something that changes from different parts of the world? Because for me... I didn't drink at all in high school and, you know, growing up in rural Maine, once I got to college, when you're away from your parents and your family, that's when I did the majority of my drinking. I don't even drink a lot now. You know, I'm a very light drinker now, if I, you know, if at all. Yeah, you um, can't play sports to a good level in college mm-hmm. and get in that habit of going out drinking yeah. all the time. So I wasn't, was good for me. Yeah, I wasn't the guy, I wasn't the guy drinking 30 beers, but I was the guy that was new to drinking and I would drink and, you know, uh, obviously football is, you know, it's still a lot of cardio, same as, you know, not, not as much as soccer. But American football, anyway, that's what I played all through college, and uh, that was it. Was funny because I always look back and I think about how how much uh, drinking went on, which is everybody, and how much better we could have been. Because you know, I was more athletic and my cardio was better then. I look a little bit better now, but I'm just thinking to myself, if I would have taken care of you know what I drank and what I ate, I could have been <laughs> could have been ten times better. Yeah, so it's funny you say that though, because I know because college. I mean, college at least the stigma here if you're a college athlete, there's a few guys that are straight edge and there's a few guys that are don't drink or do drugs or anything but like for it's just like a it's like an unwritten kind of thing that happens here it's just kind of like people just that's the college experience in america i think it's i don't think it's right or wrong neither here nor there but i think that that's kind of what's expected of of college athletes but your wrestling experience is really funny you said the stuff you said because that's kind of how i got started like early say 1990 so my first memories as a person, as a person, <laughs> as a kid, four or five before I could, yeah, there's a few, there's a few other like memories here and there that are kind of spilled out, but wrestling anyway, the first time I saw wrestling was WCW. My guy was Sting at the time because of the bright colors and it was obviously geared to kids. Um, Is that the blonde hair back then? Yeah, blonde hair, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, Dusty Rhodes, Ric Flair, when he'd come over from NWA. Um but WCW was my first and I remember always being a WCW guy and my first taste of WWE was like what you said it was like Yokozuna Undertaker Razor Ramon Shawn Michaels some of those crazy gimmicks they were doing with like Jake the Snake but it it actually I'm almost positive six was was when Warrior uh was the, became the champion over Hogan, right? Yes. Okay, so yeah, that was the same thing back before the internet, before anybody was listening to this who doesn't understand how tough it was. To get to see wrestling, if you didn't catch it on TV, there was no like reruns or TiVo. You know, you had to go to the, the local video store and they'd have like, in mine, it was like five or six tapes. And they always had like the WrestleManias or the SummerSlams and like SummerSlam and WrestleMania. But I remember some of the WrestleManias I rented were... Um, you know, six, you know, uh, three with Andre and Hogan. And I remember just like, you'd watch those and you'd watch those and you'd watch those. And that's all you had. 
Um, but that was like my first introduction to pro wrestling. And I remember I told this story a couple days ago. The first time I ever broke a bone, the only time I ever broke a bone in my life was we had a, <laughs> I had a wrestling buddy. You know the wrestling buddies that they used to come out with? You could like the bend. Dolls? Yeah, dolls. Yeah. And uh, I was four years old. And my grandma, we were down at my grandmother's camp in the summer, and I had a Macho Man and a Hulk Hogan, and I think I believe two of the Road Warriors, Legion of Doom, and I put the I put the wrestling buddy, the Macho Man one down on top of my grandmother's dog that was laying on the carpet, and I climbed up to the top of the couch, so like six feet above the air, four years old, and I, <laughs> and it wasn't like I knew how to take a bump or anything. I just fucking went for it, completely uh, broke my collarbone. So my first broken bone was trying to perform a Macho Man elbow drop onto my grandmother's dog and that, that, yeah I know that's a, I know I'm proud of myself um, I can't, so that was like my first those are my first memories of pro wrestling and then you know that's the same time you got into it like we really got the opportunity to see you know pretty much the, the peak of popularity as far as like how much money they make they make more money I think there's more money to be had in WWE but like right around 95, 96 when I started getting into middle school and high school um that's when I became like a really big fan of it. Before that, my experience is much like yours with uh, with WCW and seeing some of their stuff. Do you have any? Um, did you ever meet anybody when they came over to where you lived? Or did you ever did you ever have the opportunity to meet up with anybody? Or uh, not in England, but a couple of times uh, since I moved to America. Yes, um, I met Diamond Dallas Pitch mm-hmm. um, after playing college. I had a bad back mm-hmm. for like six years, yeah. and it got to the point where I was getting in and out of the car with pain. I was walking with a visible lane. Mm-hmm. It got pretty bad, man. I was getting caught as on injections, and yeah. it was completely out of hand. And I emailed. Um, I saw the video about Arthur on the DDP. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Which almost everyone's seen nowadays. Yeah. And I emailed a sales consultant, and I was like, I don't want to drive to New Hampshire and sit in the corner of the room and watch a bunch of people doing yoga. You know, this is my deal. Got serious back pain. I've got some reservations, but can we talk? Um, so I ended up speaking to the guy in the call on the phone. I think he was called Marlon, and uh, he says uh, you're exactly the kind of person uh, that we're uh, we're marketing for. You know, we, we think we think we can sort this out. So yeah. I drove down New Hampshire with back pain, um, did three hours of yoga in a I think it was Portsmouth, New Hampshire, Kettlebell yeah. Clinic. Was yeah, Portsmouth's like Portland. It's and, a uh, nice old town. Bought his CDs, cut sort of out. They didn't cut it out, but dropped the white bread, dropped some other foods, and I would say within three weeks, I just one day realized that, that the pain had gone. Yeah. And then I went through like the 91-day beginner's DDP yoga plan, yeah. and I actually, touch wood here, have not had a flare-up or any kind of sore back since. And you're talking about the guy that waked up, woke up every day, at least in some kind of minor pain yeah. on the back. Um, and I wrote him a lengthy email. I don't know if you ever received it to thank him, and it was a pretty dramatic uh, difference. And then recently, uh, because the back was better, I started to uh, weight train and ended up uh, meeting Tony Atlas at the mm-hmm. boxing event at the Lewiston Coliseum. Yep. Telling him this story, and him saying, "Well, why don't you train with me?" Um, so now every Tuesday and Thursday, I lift at the Bates College gym with Tony, mm-hmm. and he's got me interested on a deeper level as a fan, because now I'm going to watch, first I watched Wrestlemania 2, because he was in it, yep. and now I'm trying to watch all the Wrestlemanias in order, and just, you know, watching yep. the old stuff, and now I'm a bit older, I watch it a bit differently, and it's fun to just, uh, brings back memories, and it's enjoyable. My first, um, it's funny you mentioned Tony Alex, I remember, I want to say it was the summer, yeah, it was August 1999, I remember this, like it was yesterday. Back when wrestling had its kind of like peak of where it was like it's the Rock and Stone Cold were going really hot, yeah. and NWO and had just come off that, and um, they ran a special on MTV that Tony was on. Uh, it was it was True Life. I want to be a pro wrestler, and they paralleled it because it was you know they had Triple H in China for the big guys, and then they had some independent guys, and they had a you know a kid a kid trying. It was a complete fuck up that was trying to be a wrestler. He had no idea what he was I getting into. This on YouTube. Yeah, yeah and crazy. then they had one dude who was like pretty good, who was going to be okay, and then uh, they had Tony and how, and that was first. Time I was like, and I was, I was blown away because I was like, wait a minute, I live in Maine, and, and there's a guy who lives in Maine, and like he did all this, and um, again, but I still couldn't find out information on him because 1999, the internet wasn't what it what it is now, and I remember just being flabbergasted that he lived in Lewiston, and I was I was trying to convince my mom to bring us to Lewiston or to come see shows and do stuff like that. But uh, so that so when we when you and I met and you started talking about that I was like man like because like years ago I mean the one regret I have in my life is not going to wrestling school but I remember I, I 
was like, man, like maybe I can, maybe I can just like try to meet Tony Atlas and he can train me and stuff like that. But you know, I think it's, I think it's past that point now. He would too, by the way. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I you know, anybody who knows me, I haven't discussed this on the podcast, but I'm going through a little bit of an issue now where I can't really do any lifting, and it's kind of tough for me because I'm a big lifter, and uh, I have uh, some some swollen discs in my neck, and uh, we're trying to get that sorted out now. So if the neck ever heals up. I will do the DDP thing and try to start wrestling late and see if Tony will train me. So, but we'll see. But anyway, so you got you get through college and you're into wrestling. And you're watching the stuff in the dorms. Um, so, when did you make the jump from England to United States, and what kind of brought you there? The true story, and everyone thinks I'm crazy, and I was. <laughs> was it for the Dallas Cowboys? No, it wasn't. Okay, but I never do mind. Love the Cat Dallas Cowboys. I know you do. I'm not you sorry do. either. <laughs> um, get well soon, Tony. <laughs> um, so I was working as a psychology teacher at a uh, a college in England, and what colleges in England is you go to high school, then you do two years of college, then you go to university. So it's sort okay. of high school seniors slash PG students. Mm-hmm teaching psychology, did a master's in sports psychology. I uh, had a sad day when I realized I wasn't going to play professional soccer and wanted to coach. So Same thing happened to me with football. It's, yeah, it's a tough... It's a horrible day. It's yeah, not, it's a tough day. Santa's not real. It's a horrible yeah. day. But, um, <laughs> so I did the master's in sports psychology knowing I wanted to coach and coach the high school team, which was a very good team with Steve Wilkinson. Um, I ended up winning the British title for high school, which was good and learned some things. And But really, I was getting my salary from teaching and teaching 60 hours a week and putting all my passion and time and energy into the five hours I was coaching the soccer team. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to have to miss the games for work and stuff, and they used to kill me. So I used to just complain to everyone, like, I want to coach, I want to coach. That's my thing, I want to coach. Yeah. And then I had a friend call me, and he's like, you're saying you want to coach, do you mean it? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I mean it, man. I'm like, well, why? He's like, okay, so hear me out here. I've uh, got a three-month contract for you, coaching a girls' high school team in Wyoming I'm in Denver Wyoming's one state up and uh, you know come come out see me and then you'll go coach this and it'll be good so I actually quit a full time teaching shop to go to Wyoming down my apartment to get on a plane for a three month contract in Wyoming and you're talking about an English English guy here who's never drove an hour in my life because you don't have to I mean you can get from the east to the west coast of England in less than two hours, mm. top to bottom in five and a half, and you just you don't drive that far. So what do you mean you don't drive? Do you mean like this is this is public you transportation? Just don't have to. I mean, you play in soccer leagues that are regional. Oh, you just get you rides know, you get and stuff. If you go to yeah. London, so I never drove more than an hour. And he said one state up, which in England that means ten minutes, man. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's he didn't mean ten minutes. So I get off the plane and I've already traveled for like eighteen hours, including. It's a terrible the flight, airport, yeah. Yeah. And I get given a set of car keys at seven a.m a rental car and map quest directions for 968 miles and he's like have a nice life dude I'm like are you serious man um, and the beauty of it was the 900 plus mile trip it was like only 8 lines because in Wyoming yeah, it's, it's like just open roads, roads yeah. in a square and you're on one of them or you're not so I'm yeah. just making this drive and it's it gives you goosebumps man it's all the mountains and caverns oh, and, yeah. and, and this is a guy who's like <laughs> spent his life in England it was, yeah. it was a trip man and walking past Sorry, driving past towns that said like population ten, which seemed very specific. Yeah, there's there's places like that, mate. Was this your first time in America? Yeah, well, I'd, I'd been out for summers, but it was the first day I'd officially moved to America. And Wyoming's a pretty, like that's a that's a that's like well, there's different in my belief. I feel like there's different parts of America, like England, oh, you know, like parts of America. like yeah. it's very like it's not like kind of like you know you could legitimately be in so like in England everything's pretty much you know everybody's I wouldn't say everybody's kind of the same but it's like this it's like it, man to me yeah and, and, and but in America though you could be in liberal 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 Portland where we are right now progressive and you could like you said you know snap your fingers and be Wyoming and it's like you're in a different you know you're in the same country but you're like in a different part of the world yeah, as far as like yeah, values and people ask me what America's like and I can't answer it because not only is Wyoming a completely different culture and belief system, completely it's different. like a different time. Yeah. Like, you yeah. can't, like, the, the gas stations close on Sundays, bars and places aren't open after eight in the town Cody I was at, you know, yeah. it's just, it's weird, man. And some sort yeah, of negative yeah. aspect of society, like the sexism and the racism, I experienced more in that little three-month period in Wyoming than I have in the other nine years I've spent in America which was sad I would assume that you not being American and all that kind of stuff and you first getting there were they did people 
people like welcome you or did they give you a hard time or what do you think? The school, Cody High School, were wonderful to me. Mm-hmm. The parents and the players were wonderful to me. Even yep. though the players sometimes, and by sometimes I mean a lot, didn't know what the hell this foreigner was saying. Yeah. <laughs> um, but there was just some incidents in my social life where it was like, you know, you're not from around here and go back yep. to, you know, yep. all this nonsense. I mean, whatever, man. I just ignore that. Yeah, I think you're going to get that anywhere. I mean, I didn't... I didn't um... I didn't realize that until I, I spent some time in Wichita Falls, Texas, which is almost near the border of Oklahoma, if anybody knows where that is. And Go Cowboys. Yeah. And I remember just being like being from like a small town in Maine, and I had been outside of Maine. I went to school in New York for a year, year and a half. I had a lot of family in New Jersey, which is like the hub of like just congested people in America. And So I'd been around, but um, having that first kind of Midwest kind of experience is like completely different. But that's also what makes it great because if the reason why we're here is because of wrestling is because back when like wrestling before wrestling became the big two that's what made america great was there was all these different pockets of the country that had different kinds of um different kinds of wrestling organizations so it was kind of funny to me that for some reason i took to wcw because it just felt like homier to me and wwf felt like kind of like more gritty and kind of you know farther away like the char- they had different characters and it just felt like it was farther away and i just remember thinking like if i could if i could somehow get into the professional wrestling business somehow i knew that i could do something good in it so i'm not sure if that will ever happen but uh, i remember you're thinking sure like either, what's that you're not sure that it won't happen either. <laughs> but the thing is though is that like you see it and i was talking to someone at the bar the other night uh, a guy adam francis who we'll have on too who's a big wrestling fan is i think people the reason why people like wrestling i think this is my take you can tell me if i'm wrong or not I think it's because there's, it's a show that never stops. So there's no, there's no seasons. There's no, uh, there's no reruns. I mean, yeah, then you might get a rerun every once in a while, but like Christmas time or whatever. But uh, it can, it consistently changes and there's consistently characters and there's there's an aspect of it that you may or may not like. You know, like my roommate who you met, uh, Ryan, he really likes NXT because it's like underground and it's nerdy and it's punk rock and it's stuff like that. And then there's me that likes the kind of. Uh, the vocal delivery, the speeches these guys have, the the underestimating people, not underestimating the the lack of respect wrestlers get for what they do. Yeah. Um, and I can honestly tell you too, as I got older and I started like seeing how much more pressure it took to put on a good wrestling match and to like to see everything that went into it. Um, when I was twenty five or twenty six, to round out the the final thought here, um, I remember I went and I did a music video for a local rap group Dirty White Hats and somehow one of the guys in the group uh, used to do catering for WWE and uh, shout out to Leon Sampson and uh, he What's knew up, he knew Hacksaw Jim Duggan and the plot of the video was that I was going to be this bad guy and they'd have a ring and uh, I'd beat the shit out of these two guys and then uh, Hacksaw would come in at the end with his 2x4 and shit and throw me over the top rope and all this stuff and so the whole day we're shooting this like I didn't think um, I didn't think he was actually going to show up. And I remember like earlier that morning, I was scared he, was, he wasn't going to show up. But I was happy he, if he didn't because earlier that morning, jumped in this fucking ring, full of piss and vinegar. I'm like, oh man, like this is going to be great, this and that. And I hit the ropes, hit the ropes again, throw my body up in the air, and I take a back bump. And I didn't tuck my chin. And I played football for eight years. I played college football with guys that played in the NFL. I've never been hit harder in my life than hitting a wrestling ring. And all of a sudden, as soon as you hit a wrestling ring, you all, you then go, oh, my fucking God. Everything I've watched over the past, guys falling off ladders, guys getting uh, jumping off the top rope, it completely changes how you think about it. Gravity's not fake, man. No, and it's not. And people think, too, the ring is, like, fluffy and, like, it doesn't hurt. I remember by the time he showed up, and he did show up, Hacksaw. He was a great guy. And uh, he did show up. And I remember I was terrified that he was going to try to hit me because I don't know if I could move fast enough because I was so sore from falling and breaking my friggin' head and my neck. Um, but I remember, like, that was what kind of rounded out the whole, like, holy shit. Like, because I mean, there's guys that. You know what I heard from a pretty good sauce? What? The Undertaker switched from the Tombstone to the UFC submission because his knees couldn't do the tombstones over and again. Well, it's funny you say that because when we were shooting the shit in between scenes in this video, Hacksaw was talking about um, how his finisher being the running shoulder, he knew that he wanted to extend his joints and his life in the ring. And he said that one of the guys that he argued with about what finisher he should use was Hulk Hogan because he had that leg drop. 
And to the average person watching it, you're going, oh, he's just he's just kind of fakely hitting him, you know. But it's the pressure that goes up on your hip. And now I think Hulk Hogan's had like what two two hip replacements or something like that. So yeah. to me, I mean, I played football. I have messed up fingers from it. I have ankles that are messed up from it. Nothing too major. I never broke anything. Um, but hitting that ring and being there that day was harder than football practice. And that that's that's that that's just me saying that. Um, that's that's what kind of rounded it up for me. But. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. It's, it's one of those things that, like, and even now with the current product, like, it frustrates me. You know, like, it frustrates me because I feel like, feel like it could be better. I feel like they're not using the guys they got. They have, like, the guy, we were talking before we started recording about guys like, um, you know, Fandango and people like that. Like, great wrestler, but they stick him in these gimmicks that have, you know, no long-term, you know, it's, it's cool for the minute. Like, you're, you're entertained by it. But now, what are we now, three, three years later, two and a half years later of this gimmick, and he's just kind of... You know. Can I give you a theory on huh. the current product? Please, that's why you're here. Everybody hates monopolies. Nobody likes to be told what they have to watch. And pretty much the worst thing that happened to WWE was to become the single entity with yep. no competition. Yep. The wrestlers' choices were gone. Um, the fans' choices were gone. So we're sort of in an era right now where the WWE NXT show is far superior on almost every level. I agree. To the WWE show. Yeah. My question is, are they doing that on purpose? Are they now creating competition, which the fans want, because the fans want competition, but owning the competition too? I always ask that question, and I always I go back and forth between Triple H running NXT and him able to do that so it looks better and it is better, um, versus Vince McMahon being 70 years old and not being able to really do all that stuff anymore. and and or be relevant and or be in touch with what people really want. So that's my first theory. It could just be that, or it could be what you just said. And they are they are 10 steps ahead of us, they're smarter, and they're doing it on purpose. And eventually there might be an invasion or eventually there might be people who um, revolt against WWE because NXT is better and because they can try to intermix people, you know, main roster guys versus NXT guys. Um, don't you find we live in an era where the fans always want the new up and comer like UFC v boxing? I think I think I think that's any era. I think people always want what they can't have, or they want the new thing, um, or they want the underdog. But I think it's become more pronounced and more highlighted now because of the internet. Because we're sitting here doing a podcast about it. Ten years ago, if you didn't like the show, you had to wait till the next day to get to school, to talk to your buddy about it, or if you guys talked on the phone, there was no texting, there was none of that stuff. So. I think it's more highlighted because of social media, but it kind of baffles me that, and I, you know, your theory is a good one. I don't think they have a grander plan. I don't think they're going, all right, this was the plan all along. Like we, we want to make NXT better than WWE. I don't think that's their plan, but now it happened. That's that special. I had you watch respect. I didn't, I didn't skip, put it anyway. I didn't skip any match, you know? And it's like even guys that I kind of dislike how they may look aesthetically, or I'm not really into them when they come out. Like uh, uh, Jason Jordan and Chad Gable. You got Jason Jordan, who's a stud. He used to be a baseball player. You got the other guy, Gable, who's super tiny, but he was an Olympic wrestler, uh, versus Rhino and Baron Corbin. There was a couple of moves and spots in that match where I was like, this is, this is better than anything that's been on Raw. And even that new girl, Asuka. I agree. Like, she, like, you know, she beat your girl, Dana Brooke. Yeah, but, <laughs> but, but to her credit, though, as bad as she was... For the past two years, as far as learning wrestling, it actually does take some skill to make somebody look like they're actually kicking your ass. So she did a good job with that. But, I mean, if people say NXT is a niche, a, niche, a, uh, a niche market. Put it this way. If someone said, show me pro wrestling, would you show them, if you had the two choices, would you show them WWE or NXT? Well, I hadn't watched NXT until you asked me to watch that pay-per-view. Yeah. And then I watched it. It's, it's very good, man. So, yeah. I mean, right now, I'd probably show them, of the recent things, I'd probably show them Matt Shaw, or I'd go back to Mankind getting thrown off Hell in a Cell, which yeah. is probably the greatest thing I'd ever seen. Yeah. It's, Let it's, me tell you one thing I'd heard um, from just a friend of mine who was pretty far into the uh, business. Uh, Triple H has, um, in a good way, a sort of a ruthless management streak, where apparently he can keep storylines clean and he can set a card up and there's there is a philosophy out there that Vince is getting old and getting very connected to people on the roster 
and as a result it's tough to say to somebody you're not working tonight you're yeah. not working this pay-per-view and why I think that might carry some water is how many gang matches are there how many six-man tag teams you know how many yeah. triple threats how yeah. many seeing segments do we have with the dealers where every single one of them has to be involved because yeah. you know so-and-so doesn't have the night off and I don't know if it's true or not, but it was certainly interesting and like it got me thinking of okay, that that might make a bit of sense. That 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 makes sense. I mean, that's not a view I never heard before. But like you said, with the with the so many tag matches, it's like even coming up with this new pay per view, uh, Hell in a Cell. They got Dean Ambrose and Randy Orton versus uh, two of the Wyatts, yeah. and it kind of sucks because Ambrose and and. Randy Orton are together because neither one of them has anything going on. Exactly, and they don't so, need to be involved. Yeah, but the, the, but that's the thing though. Shouldn't those guys have something going on? Like, what's wrong with putting Dean Ambrose in a feud with uh, who knows? Uh, I don't know Neville or something, or somebody like that, and just letting them wrestle? Like, do you think that's what NXT does so well? Is very little talking, feud set up, and they they put on a good match and they tell it in the ring. WWE does everything to tell the story outside of the ring, and then sometimes the match falls short. And that's why that's why people like Kevin Owens because he he's fucking phenomenal in his job. But he comes out and he performs, and then he leaves, and he backs it up in the ring. That's the focus should be wrestling first, entertainment second. You could still have a fair amount of entertainment like NXT, but that show was what 85, 15, 90, 10 wrestling like. Yeah. I felt entertained. It wasn't like I didn't leave going, "Oh man, that was just straight wrestling." No, there was no entertainment value at all. It wasn't just a a ring in a barn, you know what I mean? But it was it was to me, I think personally, people want more of an NXT like product. But on the flip side, you saw that show we went to in Portland. It's a lot of kids. Yeah. And a lot of kids don't know what the fuck NXT is. Yeah. So I think that they're pulled between like what's good and what's cool over what can make them money. Do you not find they're trying to straddle this weird universe where it's a bunch of guys too old for it, like me and you, who yeah. enjoyed the Attitude Era, and the kids, because you said about the Kane subject where randomly, not in place at all, Kane comes up through the ring and tries to drag Seth Rollins down. I feel like every now and again they're trying to flash back 10, 20 years to keep that older market happy. But, but they it's can't. not like that anymore. But, they, but that didn't make me happy, and that's not... And that's the problem is they live in this world now where they let all of the wrestlers have Twitter. So kayfabe's dead. You know, they let all of the wrestlers, uh, you know, Total Divas, uh, Tough Enough, um, all these shows on the network where they're all out of character. But I am to believe, and that's fine. That's cool. Like, that's what every wrestling fan always wanted was to see that behind the scenes stuff. But am I to believe that Kane, who is like in government in New Hampshire and is a very well-spoken guy who clearly doesn't have a head of hair is now the other Kane again and somehow breaks through a ring and pulls down Seth Rollins who Seth Rollins I personally think could beat the shit out of Kane because he's a friggin' specimen um, am I to believe that that happened? Like, yes you are Kyle <laughs> but, but I'm saying but they need to pick like if you're gonna if you're gonna do away with kayfabe that's the way it has to be for everybody I listened yeah. to a podcast today, The Solid Monster. He's like the best one, he's my favorite guy to listen to. And it's like, you're mine. Lana, Lana and Rusev. Um, thank you very much. I just didn't realize you gave me a compliment. Lana and Rusev just got like, they just deaded the whole storyline with Dolph Ziggler and all that because they Lana put up that she was engaged to Rusev and it destroyed what they were doing. It's a double standard. If you go to Triple H, he was saying, if you go to Triple H's or Stephanie McMahon's Twitter, both of their like info about says I play a bad girl on a bad a bad guy on TV I play a bad guy on TV okay. and then whatever else they do you, yeah. you can't be like either you stay in character or you don't stay in character yeah. no, so and that's the problem like they try to they you know if Vince McMahon thought that segment up and thought that that was gonna make me like wrestling again because of Kane it, it worked when he was really terrifying 15 years ago it doesn't work now where Seth Rollins you know is is you know detailed on every every sporting show every interview every podcast um he's shown backstage has his own twitter like he's it doesn't yeah and it doesn't so it's it's one of those things where they need to figure out like where they're going with how much they let people know i would be completely cool if they went completely back to kayfabe and made it just a reality series and none of these not reality series a, a fictional series where none of these guys were like hey today i'm eating at mcdonald's i'd be like well i don't want to see Kane eat at mcdonald's like Kane lives somewhere in a basement. Like I don't want like 
make it like a TV show because that's what it's you know it's supposed to be like an action adventure TV show. I don't want to like be wondering like what's real and what's not. Yeah, that's what it'll always be to me. I mean, I haven't watched Divas yet. I probably will at some point if I'm bored. But it will always you be, be real bored. I will always treat it exactly the same as I treat Game of Thrones. Watching it, you know. That's what I always say. And that's the whole point of the, the name of the podcast. When I was thinking of names for it, was people were. I've had people legitimately who don't have cable. Cause some people have. Some people don't have cable. I, I, don't, even, I don't even have cable. I use I use uh, Apple TV with HBO, Hulu, Netflix. You know, I don't watch any shows on cable. But Are you plug in right now, Kyle? No, but I'm saying Monster is the sponsor of the show. It's not. <laughs> it's not Netflix. If Netflix was a sponsor of the show, I wouldn't be doing Catalyst anymore. Um, but. So, what the hell was I going with this? What was I saying? Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones. So, yeah. So, people would come over to my house. I've had two people in the last two or three years come to my house back when I lived somewhere else to use the TV for Walking Dead and uh, Breaking Bad. Two shows that uh, Breaking Bad's done, Walking Dead's, you know, just had the new season. And they're always like, oh, like, duh. You couldn't, they couldn't talk during it. They were so into it. And when people bust my balls about, like, in wrestling, I was like, how is it any different than you watching a television show? And people go, oh, well, you know that stuff's fake. And it's always like, Ugh. yes, it's predetermined. Yeah. It's the same. If you watch an episode, a good episode of Monday Night Raw or a good t- or a good wrestling show, it's the same as if you're watching The Walking Dead. There's main characters. There's characters that aren't so high up. There's storylines that are all into it. They eventually try to let the good guy win. They try to piss you off enough to a point where you want to see the heel get his comeuppance and like get his ass kicked. It's the same thing, except... They're actually, you know, pretty good actors. Some of them are pretty good actors. Great speakers. Work under pressure. Physical. Athletic. Gifted. Um, but it's like one of those things you constantly have to defend because people think it's like just dudes out there that are muscly that are just, you know, jumping on pillows. Like it's not, that's not it at all. And I'm always like, Game of Thrones, I would never walk into a, a living room when you're watching Game of Thrones and be like, oh, um, do you know that this show is fake, right? This doesn't actually happen. It'd be the same thing. So I don't understand where the stigma comes from. People bust my balls about it. But what I have discovered is that people are more accepting of it now because everybody has their nerdy thing. Like my roommate has uh, anime, World of Warcraft, and he likes a certain type of music. People like Star Wars, people like whatever. Like they're the comic books. They're, everybody has their thing. My thing happens to be wrestling. And there's a, there's a lot of conversation you can have. You and I can sit here for five hours and talk about wrestling. Yeah, I would say in, in 10 years in America, you're the first guy I've actually spoke to about wrestling. But you probably miss a lot of opportunities. Yeah. Like I've missed a lot of opportunities where someone's like, "Oh, I didn't know." Yeah, and it's it's one of those things where I think people, I don't know why people are ashamed to say they like it though. I wouldn't say I was ashamed. It's not not, not you, you, but I think some people are are, um, kind of apprehensive about saying that they like it. You know what yeah. I mean? Even even I, I didn't say you know on social media. I didn't. I never mentioned that I liked it until a couple years ago, and it was just because I was like, well, you know, I like what I like. I'm 27, whatever. Um, I'm not cool anymore anyway. Yeah, I'm not cool anymore. Like, it's fine. Like, you know, no one's going to judge me. Like, I like what I like. Um, but I don't know, man. Like, it's it's a weird time for pro wrestling because I think that they have more talent now than they ever have, but they use it worse, don't you think? I think it needs newer, younger, hungrier, fresher leadership right at the top, is my opinion. So you're saying no events? I hate to say it because Vince is the reason wrestling is where it is, but yeah. I, I refuse to believe that a 70-year-old man who has been there and done everything and made billions and knows now that whatever he does in wrestling from today on will pale in comparison to what he's already done yeah. can give the same direction and leadership even to the talent and the show and the storyline than somebody who's younger and is desperate to prove himself and make yeah. his own legacy. I mean, it'd be, it'd be, it would be... It would legitimately be the same as if, I guess maybe it's not the same for soccer. It would be, it would be the same for what I do. It would be the equivalent of me 30 years from now um, claiming I still knew what was relevant when it came to like clothing or yeah. social media or whatever. I just think it's just, it's just not possible. That might be the same. Even for you, like you 30 years from now, like do you think you'd be the best fit to coach a team that you may have coached for 30 years and maybe you have a I coach would, who could possibly... I would possibly... like to think, but yeah. you, know, you don't know. You don't know. I mean, the, the thing is to me is, Vince, the, it's not just the fact that you can't coach when you're old because somebody like Greg Popovich can, but Vince has openly acknowledged that the, the, the peak of wrestling in the prime days have gone. Yeah. And he's he gave you know, interviews to the 
effective it's changed now and the business is different now and it's not the attitude era anymore and to me it's always comes across in a way well the attitude era was up here and from now on you've got to expect it to be down here and like it and that's you know in any walk of life that's not the the vision you want in charge I don't, that, that thing you just said makes me, I feel like that's what people always say when there's a bad finish to a pay-per-view or something happens. Like this year with um, with Reigns winning the Royal Rumble, when they brought back Daniel Bryan. Yeah, that went down well. And it, yeah, it went down yeah, really well. <laughs> but it's, I think that like at the end of that night, I think it was them saying, we're going to do what we want and you're going to like it. I don't think that's good because when we were growing up and watching wrestling, they, if they were going to say we're going to do what we want and like it you knew that eventually but they never did that the, only, the, the, the worst thing that would happen was you would get pissed because uh, Vince, Mr. McMahon would get the best of Stone Cold but you knew eventually Stone Cold was going to pay that off or you knew eventually The Rock was going to get the better at Triple H or etc 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 like at least those are my memories of the best time for me but it was never like here's what we're doing we know you're going to boo the fuck out of it but we don't care I think that that's like. And does he care anymore? I mean, I know that you know Linda McMahon's in politics now, and no Vince has done a ton of other things. You got to wonder how but much that, he cares now and how much he cared then. I he probably cared more then, but I think, so. I think that all those other things should not be, like I think CM Punk said it on his podcast with Cole Cabana. The business of pro wrestling cannot be in a corporate environment, and I agree. It yeah. can, like agree. the John Cena thing I said on the first podcast, I, it blows my mind that they have let him be a face or a good guy or tried to sl- shove him down people's throats for 10, 11 years now when if it was 15 years ago, back in 2008, they would have turned him heel. Or they would have turned him heel yesterday and, back and made tons yeah. of money with it, just like what they did with Hogan. But now they rely, crowds are down, as we saw in Portland, and they rely so much on kids buying packages to meet them or hats or T-shirts or wristbands they're so fearful that nobody's going to want to do that anymore yeah. or, or, or spend that money that it's altering the betterment of like the storyline. Yeah. And that also, should also that should also, never be the case. I believe the make-a-wish thing is huge. You know, your bad guy can't be the make-a-wish guy. That's kind of really weird. But, and, and this is the thing. I feel, I'm going to sound terrible saying this. I do a lot of work with charities. I do I, – I've, I've witnessed a few make-a-wishes. I, I have worked with kids and people with disabilities and people with diseases – I love doing that, but at the same time, that shouldn't be a, a factor to not turn John Cena heel. That yeah, should well, not be part like of wrestling. Said it wouldn't have been twenty years ago. Yeah, that should not be much. part of wrestling. And I, people are always like, "Well, you know, they're going to say goodbye. They can't make him the face anymore." And it's like, it's like that shouldn't be. It would be. I feel like it would be huge news if he turned heel, became, and told everybody to fuck off, and told every fan that ever booed him, you know. That that would bring back people to watch start watching wrestling again. And I, I it would be great. A lead figure running the show would do that. You've got a question whether Triple H is just you know is, it's his father-in-law. It's a fact, and you've got to wonder how far it's going to stretch. Well, I think you probably heard it, and I've heard it a bunch of times too. I think the only time that Triple H is going to be in charge is when Vince McMahon is dead, because I think he's actually said before that he would never. I think he's actually said that he would never give up control until he dies, which... He's earned that right by now. He has earned that right, but at the same time, uh, I don't know. I don't know. I think the quality will go up a little bit, or at least the excitement level will, if leadership ever changes, personally. Yeah, I I don't know, man. It's it's almost like being a a fan of a sports team. Someone else said this the other day. It's like, well, people are like, well, if you're so pissed off with... um, the product of the show like why do you watch it like why do you go see the shows and it's like it's the same as a team like you have your favorite soccer team favorite football team it's like you don't give up on the team because they suck for a little yeah. while they have bad years you you have that hope they're going to start winning again and it's like that's the same thing with me it's like when you see a good show like Wrestlemania last year or like the last two Wrestlemanias they've knocked out of the park they've been great um, you see that and you're like okay here we go like that Wrestlemania 30 when they had Cesaro win the 30 man yeah. It's like, all right, Cesaro's the guy. So he's he's our man. Like he's he's not built by them. He's you know he's Swiss. He looks great. Does a great job. He's an ass kicker. And we thought they were gonna push him to the moon. And then now he's the Boston that I, the Boston Raw that I went to. He was on a main event dark match taping. Got one of the loudest pops of the night. Um, fought Adam Rose in a squash match and 
between him and Seth Rollins and um, you know, Cena and uh, Lesnar, he one of the loudest ovations of the night. Huh. But where's Cesaro? Why are they not? Why are they not using someone like Cesaro, who clearly everybody likes? You gotta wonder, and I think say this through coaching. You gotta wonder how much of the storyline is sheerly through who the leader Vince likes and who has a good relationship with him. Because I can't help but think the excessive push that Kane continues to get and the continued well, involvement yeah. of people like the Big Show, if they've been loyal to Vince for 10, 15 years, if he likes them, if they've got a good relationship, he's probably going to keep them involved, keep them happy, even if somebody else can bring more quality. And I think yeah. like, that's the thing I've just alluded to earlier. That's kind of the stage he's at in his leadership. Yeah. A younger, hungry leader that doesn't care about that, that's more ruthless and there's more behind the scenes you know cutthroat decisions made so out here in front of the curtain everything's great yeah i feel like kind of now there's a little bit of you know a little i'm kind of relationship sinking in and maybe even complacency i'm kind of worried though because i heard i heard a report was it yesterday yesterday that uh the the raw that's happening here in a few hours is going to be um I think they still have 3,000 tickets left. And that's wow. kind of concerning when it's the show before the pay-per-view and you got Brock and Undertaker on the card and they have Ric Flair and Shawn Michaels and Stone Cold, and Stone Cold supposedy going to be there and doing the podcast after. As of yesterday, they still have like two, 3,000 tickets left. Yeah, which is... Which, problem, which, which is the... And that's, and that's... But I saw that happening. Like when they announced that a month ago, I was like, yeah, but... If your if your hope to get a bunch of people to watch is to bring back older stars, the average casual fan that likes Stone Cold that doesn't watch wrestling anymore isn't gonna by happen chance see that and tune in. That's not, and he's not gonna, nor is he gonna stay for for the rest of the time. It's like they need to push people. When they, the last person that they pushed, but they needed a lot of pushing to do it was. CM Punk when he carved out his own way back in 2011 and then Daniel Bryan but then Daniel Bryan got hurt and who knows what they would have done with Daniel Bryan if he got, hadn't got hurt but they finally had to give in to Daniel Bryan because people just liked him too much you know what I mean and it's like it's sad that, that those two situations have to happen where both guys have to like do it on their own to, to make it you yeah. know it's like don't get me wrong I love Roman Reigns I was fucking Roman Reigns for Halloween last year like I think the guy's got a great upside but they put him out on Raw this past week with a live mic. The guy clearly can't talk. Chicago's drunk and rowdy as hell. The promo was terrible. Yeah, he got he got he got he got sidetracked. Um, and they they have him in the same stuff he was wearing in the Shield. You want to make Roman Reigns a star? Do what they did with The Rock when The Rock first came in. First two years, everybody hated The Rock. People started to like him a little bit, and they turned him heel. And then he was so entertaining when he was a bad guy in 1999 that he was never a heel again. He was just a good guy. You got to give Roman Reigns a mic or turn him heel, change his outfit, and let him be a prick and be that big, bad uh, heel. And let him feud with a face Seth Rollins or Dean Ambrose or Cesaro or Cena. Because I love Roman Reigns. I feel bad for him, though, because they try to push him out there as the next Cena. And people are just not they're not having it. I think he uh, cut his own throat a little bit. I remember after he won the Rumble and people were booing and he uh, I actually thought it was a heel turn but it turns out it appears it's what he was really saying and thinking he yeah. was like I don't care what these fans think you know they don't know a headlock from a wrist lock this oh yeah 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 I remember this yep. yep without those fans dude like yeah. you'd be a nobody and you wouldn't yep. be earning any money or doing shows in front of anyone so relax yourself and if that attitude's in his head then he's he's give you know he's I think that I, th I, th I think it might be there but I think it needs I think I mean, I, again, I don't know. It's hard to go to your boss about something. I'm just trying to think of like how 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 much of an atmosphere is backstage that's like a, that's like a day to day. And when I worked for other people, it is hard to go to your boss. It is hard to say stuff about the betterment of the company. But you just wish that like you think that they would know each other enough and they're around each other enough where he could go to creative and be like, hey, I don't really think that this is working. I think we should try something else. You would think that he'd want to do that, but. Maybe he has. And, uh, maybe he has. Maybe he hasn't. I don't know. I'd watch. Are you a Finn Balor fan? Uh, yeah. Okay. I've yeah. seen him once. Like I, uh, I watched that entrance against Kevin Owens. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Yeah. Um, He's from Ireland too, so that's cool. Yeah, I actually. So the wrestling party that I want to, that I want you to come to in two weeks for Halloween, uh, we did. My girlfriend's mom did the Finn Balor paint on me. It took two hours the other day for me to do it. I've seen it. But looks, amazing. but looks awesome though. Yeah. Great job. Um, if you guys want to come to this wrestling party, if you live in the Northeast, it's in Portland, Maine, the night of Halloween, because I think the night of Halloween is the 31st. 
Yeah. And um, it's at seven or eight. And if you like beer and if you like uh, wrestling, or even if you don't like either one of those things and you just want to come look at a bunch of people dress up like wrestlers, it's at the Thirsty Pig. Yep. (laughs) Um, It's going to be the best wrestling Halloween party you guys have ever seen. So come come to that. Uh, Stu might be there as Kane if he doesn't have playoffs, playoffs, which would be a good thing if you had playoffs for Bates. Be a beautiful thing. thing. at the same time, it would be better if we had another person dressed up as a wrestler. I think most people would agree. But anyway, so I bring up Finn Balor. Um, I'm just going to rapid fire some questions here. we got about five minutes left. Um, do you – what do you think is going to happen with Finn Balor when he gets called up? Do you think he's going to have – They better not change that entrance because it's amazing. Yeah. Do you think that they're going to – how do you think he's going to translate to the main roster? Do you think he's going to – going to make him more cartoonish because I think that entrance is going to give kids nightmares. <laughs> and I think it's not going to be as cool. Yeah, that's that's my fear too. Um, Sasha Banks. What do you think of Sasha Banks? I suppose she's all right given how much you know, how the love fest you have going on with her. I'm not the only person. Not good for you, man. <laughs> I'm, not the, I'm not the only person. <laughs> no, she's cool. She's Wrestling-wise, though, wouldn't you say no, she's – She's entertaining. She's enjoyable. Yeah, besides her, who else do you like for, for Divas currently? That stupid Divas, name. Divas, yeah. Um, I mean, I'm an English man, Paige. Paige is great, yeah. <laughs> I didn't know, I didn't know she was so young. She's only 23. Yeah. I don't from, know. She was from Norwich, who beat my whole town in the playoff final, but I'll forgive her for that. <laughs> All right. Um, WrestleMania this year uh, is in Dallas. Well, Arlington. Um, Cowboys. <laughs> um what do you think? Uh, they don't have a match for Lesnar yet. None for Taker because they're going to do a blow off this Sunday. It's their last time they're fighting. Yeah. Do you have any WrestleMania predictions as far as what you think might be? Well, they should do, but what they've kind of ruined is they should have built Sting up and had Undertaker be Sting. Yeah. That would have been amazing. I don't think they're ever going to let Sting wrestle again after. Sting be beat twice. Yeah. You know, and like he's kind of gone now, at least as a credible opponent. Yeah. So, uh,. Hmm, that's a tough one. I would. I mean, the Undertaker is definitely going to be involved. He's yeah. Fight for a belt or anything, but I've heard Cena and Undertaker. Really? Yeah. Uh, I, mean, I don't know about that though, because does Cena that, does that excite you? Nothing. I know this is going to sound terrible, and every fiber of me is going to hate to say this, but no Undertaker match really excites me anymore. The last good match he had. Because there's no story before or after it. No story before or after, and he is incapable of putting on a match like he used to. The last good match he had, in my opinion, was CM Punk 2012 or 2013 in New Jersey. And that's because Punk was pissed off because they, had, they weren't going on last and he went out and put on a great match. And then before that, he was still putting on some going to Triple H to Shawn Michaels, but... Um, How about Undertaker v. Cam? You enjoy that? If they if they were to fight? Yeah. Yeah, because it, it would be if it was like their their kind of like retirement kind of like this is the last time we're gonna face or this is gonna be, you know, nostalgia for their old matches and they they could put on a good match because Kane could still go. Yeah. I think that would be cool on a WrestleMania stage, but they have fucking butchered Kane's character so much that it's like, you know, it it doesn't it doesn't it wouldn't be as exciting, but I think it would be good. You know, I would hope Seth Rollins still has the belt because he's enjoyable. See, and that, people run to Rousey. She she would really like to do it, but I, I know that they there's pushback from UFC. They don't want her crossing over. I think Rock will be there. I've heard Rock and Triple H. Um, Stone Cold will be a part of it because of Dallas. Uh, he's not going to wrestle, obviously, but um, I hope to see Finn Balor. I want to see that entrance on a WrestleMania stage with Finn Balor. Hope to see Sasha Banks wrestling by then and not just standing outside the ring. Um, and I kind of plan on going. I have heard rumors that... I might go with you if that's the case. Well, I've heard rumors that they are going to make tickets really easy to get because they want to try to sell it out, which is 105,000 people. And I've heard that if you sit in the nosebleed, you're looking at like a $15 ticket just because they want people in the place. Mm-hmm. So the most expensive thing would be the trip. And I think I have a friend that lives in Austin. Or Dallas. Excuse me. Dallas, whatever it is. Um, Arlington. So if you're interested... I'm, I'm saying it now, yeah. We and we have audio proof to say yeah. that like we made this. We're already on TLC, so we're good. Oh, man, and Lewiston too. Yeah. That's gonna be a great weekend. We're actually, if if at all possible, are we bonding right now? Yeah, if at all possible, if at all possible, I'm telling you, we we could try to bring this this mic with us to the uh, to the event in Lewiston, 
and the one in Boston, and maybe we can somehow pull some strings and get some interviews with some other people. Ask but the fans what they want, if they want that. Yeah, you tell us if you want that, that, yeah. But, like we mentioned, Tony Atlas. It may or may not happen. Um, it would be nice to have Tony Atlas on the program, because he is, uh, I, think he, I think he's done, I learned of him after I became like into wrestling, you know what I mean? Like 15, 16, 17, and now as a 30-year-old, I've dug up more information about it. So that would be a pretty sweet conversation. So cross your fingers for that one out there. Um, but we'll see how it goes. And at the very least, maybe he can body slam me or something. We'll get that on camera. Um, so anyway, yeah, so we're going to wrap this up. This was, you know, we could talk forever. Um, time, you know, 52 minutes already went by and we didn't even, I think, scratch the surface of other stuff we could talk about. Maybe we'll make it a two-parter. Maybe we'll come back again and do a two-parter. Yeah, we'll do a two-parter and we'll do reviews we're of that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yep. Um, and also, too, I'll probably, uh, I'm not in too much of a rush to get out of here tonight, so that's why I went a little bit longer because Raw's on in an hour and a half, and how Raw's been going lately, I'm not really sure if I want to want to check it out. But we'll see. Anyway, so um, I will see you guys next week. Uh, keep subscribing. Uh, you know it's fakeright.podbean. You know it's fakeright on uh, iTunes, all that stuff. You guys know the deal. Um, like, subscribe. If you hate me, send me an email. You know it's fakeright at Gmail. If you love me, uh, send the same thing. Uh, if you guys want to send me gifts as far as like um, – I don't know, early 90s wrestling paraphernalia or anything like that. Um, actually, you know what? Don't send me anything. I, got, I don't want you guys to have my home address. I don't want you sending me you know, hate mail and shit. But anyway, you know how to get to it. Subscribe. If you're listening to this over the pond uh, in England, because I know Stu might have a couple people listen to it over there, please spread the word over there. And if you like it, tell them you like it on iTunes. And if you hate it, don't tell them that. Just keep giving me good stars. Um, nice. <laughs> so thank you, Stu. Uh, Thank you guys for listening, and we'll catch you next time on uh, You Know It's Fake Right Podcast. Maybe this company will be better after Vince McMahon's dead, but the fact is, it's it's going to get taken over by his idiotic dog.